I thought the last one was really good. Huh? It was, the last one we did was really good with you. I, I, you, you're gonna hate it, but I liked it. I think it did fine. It was just like it, I, it was harder than I thought to talk about. Yeah, yeah. it was ten years into one hour. Yeah. This is going to be another 10 years in the one hour. Welcome back to Welcome the Mean back. Girls Suck podcast. We are Hi. two former Mean Girls who no longer suck, and this is our second part of our season two finale. Okay. Well, here we are. We have a producer for our season finale. We have a Thank producer. You Jed. Thank Shout you, out. Jed. Shouts out, Jed. He's been really great. He's been just sitting here and watching things because we're doing our interview series for yeah. our season finale uh i know that season two we interviewed like the whole goal was to try and talk to all the freaks in our life um and i thought it'd be cute if we interviewed each other mm-hmm. if you didn't listen to the last episode um i interviewed lakin on like her fitness journey and we kind of picked topics that we haven't really talked openly before about mm-hmm. and um You've been a little bit vocal about it, but it was kind of like clarifying what really happened like on her fitness journey and yeah. history with that. And that was a really good one and I enjoyed it. And I was wrong. Um, <laughs> so I apologize for being wrong. At the same time, it was the first time that she's ever clarified it to me. It's not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it, it's also something that I haven't experienced before. And we're going to talk about uh, the last topic was pretty heavy, which I'll probably record like a trigger warning for it. Um, yeah, I, I did forget to. Yeah. We should trigger warning probably I, both of these episodes. I will record a trigger warning for that one as yeah. well. Uh, big trigger warning for this one. It's the first time that I've ever talked about it online. Um, but if you didn't know, hi, my name's Ricky and I'm a former addict, which is super fun to talk about. And I have not been comfortable talking about this online at all. Um, I've never spoken about it on any social media platform except TikTok Mm -hmm. and I deleted it within hours yeah um I've never clarified like what substance I used or who I did it with and this one's a little bit more serious than the last one um because there's other people involved and it involves some pretty heavy uh illegal things uh so if you're watching this and you did do drugs with me at one point in time and you're sweating, thinking I'm going to name drop. I'm not, because I'm not a no, narc. We will not be name dropping. <laughs> I will not be name dropping. I will not be doing specific instances. But um, I get a lot of flack for my sobriety because I still drink alcohol. Um, but I don't think that it invalidates my sobriety any more than... It, it doesn't make me any less of an addict. I was never addicted to alcohol. And I know that a lot of people who go through sobriety... Um, they no longer drink. I never had an issue with it, and I still continue to not have an issue with it. Um, but I am a former addict, and my main goal with talking about this, because a lot of people have told me not to, um, and that's why I've been hesitant. How many people told you not to? All the people I used to do drugs with. Um, How many people is that? <laughs> a lot. Numbers-wise? <laughs> more than five? Uh, half a dozen. Yeah. No, honestly, like people would be like, why do you talk about it? Um, it is something that I've been wanting to talk about because, um, I find a lot of comfort in sobriety, uh, content online and I relate a lot to people who used to be addicts. Um, and my whole goal with this is to kind of put it to bed, honestly, um, and to get it out there because while in the last episode you clarified your fitness journey, 
I kind of want to clarify my addiction because I feel like a lot of people know that I went through something, but nobody knows what actually happened except for like a small handful of people who were either there or have opened up to about it. Um, There's only about three people that I've told the full story to that weren't there doing them with me. Um, It's kind of like an aggressive disclaimer, but Mm -hmm. I have gotten a lot of shit for this. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we even get in there. So big trigger warning. I'm going to talk about drug abuse, mental health stuff, um, possible like suicide talk as well. um, And obviously like sobriety, Mm -hmm. but it's really kind of like whatever Lincoln knows like the full gist of the story but she wasn't like there or anything and you kind of just know the past tense of it yeah um I'm just I'm gonna let her take kind of the reins yeah I think a lot of people have the misconception uh, of our friendship that I that we were close during this time period we got close right when I got sober yeah it was like it was the the day you decided that I got sober is when we like got really close but like uh, um you know uh a lot of not a lot there's been two people in particular who have been like i cannot believe you're getting close to ricky um she's not nice she's dangerous whatever yeah both of them being like you're a fucking idiot for being friends with ricky whatever and i'm like okay uh (laughs) so you know people saying that like you are not a good friend which may have been true at that point when we became the close, whole point of this podcast is that yes I was not a good friend yeah in the past. but I I think it it's important to clarify that I didn't know you through addiction very well no so this even though I kind of know the gist of what happened what we're about to talk about is like more in depth than what probably yeah. what I even know um there was only like four or five people that during addiction knew that I was well everybody had an idea about but the only people who I was really close to were the people that were doing it with me frequently so do you want to talk about what substance you were addicted to yeah it was a it's it's so weird to say and it sounds so dirty Mm -hmm. um it was just like general uppers but mostly like cocaine um so when you say general uppers when were you first introduced to stimulants? Um, I remember specifically it was Halloween of 2019. You, um, you didn't take any stimulants before then? No, never. Okay. Um, I didn't do drugs in high school. I smoked weed. Um, I did not. I think I probably snorted Adderall a couple times, but I didn't get high off of it because I have ADHD. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like an issue for you beforehand. In, in high school... Um, I probably tried things, um, and I don't remember, um, but I do remember the first time I actually got high off of something, mm-hmm. like, it, like I may have experimented with, like, pills or something or painkillers in high school, uh, just, like, raiding, like, our parents' cap- medicine cabinets, you mm-hmm. know, um, but the first time that I did any kind of stimulants, and it was, um, it was right when, like, Molly became super popular. Mm-hmm. at least around here mm-hmm. it was like when molly was like introduced mm-hmm. um and it was like a capsule and i don't even think it was molly i think it was like coke and speed and ecstasy mixed together in a capsule with if probably a bunch of other harmful you, like, things i don't really even know what molly is <sighs> it's is it's, it mdma it's similar yeah I, I honestly don't really know the chemical breakdown of it either okay 
Um, it's because I never really focused on it too much because I didn't do it that often. Um, but it was, I never enjoyed like painkillers, heroin, right? Like stuff like that. I've never done heroin. Mm -hmm. Um, I never, like I've probably eaten a painkiller too, but I've never like never done Xanax or anything. I wasn't somebody that like partied all the time and picked up what they could. Mm -hmm. Um, I would just drink, but me and a friend went to a Halloween party at a really terrible bar that no longer exists. And, um, somebody that we knew sold us, um, Coke and Molly and we did both. And then I remember that was the first time I ever felt high Mm -hmm. and the high for somebody who has ADHD on stimulants is a lot different than the high that somebody experiences like when they don't have ADHD. How do you know that for sure? Um, it's been explained to me by a psychiatrist. Okay. Um, that more so it's people who speed like but it's different for everybody mm-hmm. it like it was like uppers were also my drug of choice mm-hmm. um the way my psychiatrist explained it to me is that uppers for an ADHD brain it's more of a euphoric high mm-hmm. and for somebody who's not neurodivergent or neurotypical it's more of like a go 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 Okay. You know, yeah. And but people who abuse stimulants who are on the spectrum tend to feel a euphoric high. But again, everybody's different. But I related to that. Okay. When he explained it to me. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, introduce October of 2019. When did, when do you feel like it became a habit? It wasn't until a long time later because I felt really disgusting. Um, like afterwards. Um. Oh, no, it wasn't 2019. It was 2015. And a lot of this, like, honestly, mm-hmm. I have, like, memory gaps. Yeah. Um, because alcohol was a factor into it. Um, it was 2019. I misspoke when I said that it wasn't. Or 2015, not mm-hmm. 2019. Um, I was 19 years old. That's what oh, I was thinking. Okay. I was 19 years old and it was in okay, 2015. Okay, because I was thinking, clarify. like, you had told me before that, like, in your late teens that you had like started I started when I was 19 yeah I'm sorry that I misspoke when I said 2019 um from there I felt really disgusting and dirty and like didn't do it again for years after that do you know why you felt that way because I was doing drugs (laughs) like I mean some people don't feel dirty after they do drugs I did like and I wish that I I know I was so young and I felt so terrible and I remember the guy who sold it to me reached out to me the next day Mm -hmm. on Facebook. And we've talked about this before. I was always very scared of like getting arrested and going to jail. Same. Um, and the, the drug dealer reached out to me the next day on Facebook and was like, Hey, I know you like that powder. Do you want more? And I was like, no, Mm, no, I'm 19 years old. Yeah. Um, I think I was young enough and still had enough of my innocence and the people I were also hanging around with, uh, did not do drugs. Yeah. And this was like a twice a year thing for them. Like that was like, we were partying. It was Halloween. We're young. Like, let's do Molly and cocaine and right. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Which to me, to me, I'm like, cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it's a special occasion, man. That's what it was let, at first. Let loose. <laughs> it was years before I picked it up again. Yeah. Like, I'm talking, I think 2019 is when I did so pick it up again. It was years. What made you feel safe enough to do it again? Um. The people I did it with. What about them made you feel safe enough to do it with They them? were doing it too. 
So was it like you wanted to impress them? Was it because you did feel safe with them? I like what no, was it? I, I think like I I don't know, honestly. It didn't feel like a big deal when I picked it up again. So um when I did start picking it up, it the first time I think I'd probably done it a couple times, like but I wasn't hanging out with people that did it and it wasn't accessible to me mm-hmm. and it wasn't the vibe. So like from 19 years old to about like 24, 23, 24 years old, mm-hmm. um, I was hanging around with people who were just like really heavy into smoking weed. Right. Like I wasn't even really drinking that much. I was drinking like once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember my friend had a roommate, like one of my close friends during that time had a roommate that was super bad on cocaine mm-hmm. and like would go into psychosis like and she would let her do it at her house because it was like a safe place for her to do it yeah and she's like she's an addict she's gonna do it anyway I'm just gonna let her do it at my house she would like tear up her fucking living room Mm -hmm. and go nuts and we would always be like yeah man she's messed up and she terrorizes people right and I'm like yeah cocaine's terrible and Mm -hmm. I was actually really anti-drug like during those years I wouldn't do anything except smoke weed and drink Mm mm-hmm um, I remember a kid tried to sell a bunch of people like LSD at my house at a party. I think you <laughs> might have been there. And it was um that one weird hippie guy. Yes. I were was, you there? I was there. And he like I'm pretty sure. He's like, I got LSD and I got all this shit. I got acid and well, stuff. Well, to be fair, a lot of hippie men have tried to sell me drugs at parties. So. Yeah, and he like he had like Percocets, I think, too. And I like flipped out on him. I was like, hey, no drugs. Yeah. Sorry. Like this mm-hmm. this wasn't like like we smoked a lot of weed, but like there, right. I don't consider weed like drugs. Like, and and everybody has a different opinion on weed, but like dab pens, that's drugs. But like, yeah, we, yeah. we were smoking normal weed. <laughs> yeah, that's and, like a weed is a whole whole discussion. Yeah, um, personally, from my viewpoint and my own like mantra, I don't see weed as like drugs. When I talk about drugs, I'm talking like painkillers, opiates, right. stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. So, like, with it being so casual. It's what it was. It was casual. Yeah. Um, like, I um, was just, like, around people. And I don't want to talk about other people too much, like, during this either because it's my own personal journey. Um, but I was influenced by, like, other people um, and how casual it was and how they'd been doing it, like, a long time. And they were like, oh, my God, here's this thing. Yeah. I also don't want to talk about like any like specific like time periods or events or anything, but it was this year. Um, and it was why I was like in school and stuff and meeting new people and getting introduced to people who lived in Columbus, like like people that aren't from here. Um, I realized like how normal it was mm-hmm. and it's a very casual drug. It was super casual at the time and it wasn't like scary. Like people usually don't overdose on cocaine. They overdose on whatever is mixed in with it. Right. Um, and I'm not saying like go do it, right? Um, I get I get what you're saying though. Like fr- coming from a place of, um, seeing only the bad to then being introduced to it. That's that's how this starts, right? Is you see somebody do it casually, and you're like, oh, it's not that bad. And at first, it was used as a tool to stay awake longer, to drink and hang out right. longer. Yeah, it wasn't like we weren't. Like doing drugs, we were doing like bumps in the bathroom so we didn't pass out drunk. Right. And it was more like a tool. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't even see it as like drugs. Does it feel more justified calling it a tool? Yeah. 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 It's like, it was like, oh, I want to stay awake like a couple more hours. I don't want to like, I feel sick. I feel like I'm going to throw up because mm-hmm. when you get to that point where you're like 
done drinking mm-hmm. where you know you like you need to go home you do like a bump mm-hmm. and you're cool like you can go like two more hours yeah it immediately like it takes away the nausea it like wakes you back up it almost sobers you up I knew people that would do it so they would only do it so they could drink really heavy at the bar and then drive home yeah because it, it literally immediately sobers you up it's like you haven't been drinking yeah I mean it there's a reason it's so popular I didn't have hangovers until I stopped doing it yeah like now I can't drink like hardly because <laughs> it makes you so sick do you remember the first time that you recognized like oh like I need this to get through my day now not to just stay up all night it wasn't until I got sober honestly I thought it was like totally fine the whole time I never saw it as like a problem and like the first time where I thought it was a problem was when somebody I was doing it with that like I really love and trusted told me like it was a problem Mm. I thought I literally would do anything to convince myself that it was like we were fine so if at the time you didn't see it as a problem what made you want to get sober the person telling me that it was like a problem so this went on for there because I I feel like I'm jumping ahead a little bit into sobriety but I don't I'm going to talk about more about the sober part but I was doing it very heavily um for about a year mm-hmm. and I did not see anything wrong with it can you define heavily like three or four times a week okay like staying up until five o'clock in the morning and just drinking Mm -hmm. and hanging out and doing it I never did it by myself I always did it with like a group of people um I tried to be like as low-key as possible about it but it's hard to at the same time because Mm -hmm. like if you're staying up all night partying everybody knows what you're doing Do you feel like there was a point where you needed it to get through the day? Because you said you weren't doing it by yourself. And if you're only doing it multiple times a week versus like needing it to function every day. I never really did it. I never really needed it to function. And I think that's why I didn't think I was an addict. I didn't. I craved it for sure. Right. But so the routine was I would. I would be using it and drinking from like probably 9 p.m. to like about five o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. um like on the days that I was doing it and then the next day what happens is when you do that many stimulants or you do that many uppers um regardless of what they are like they they call it like post-festival depression when you've Mm -hmm. been eating molly all weekend right your brain your brain is like depleted of happy chemicals the worst part about it which I was in like complete denial about it is I would do it all night I would like I would sleep and then I would wake up and go to work the next day and I would literally be so miserable. Yeah. I would have like suicidal ideations. Yeah. Because all night, like I was giving my brain like rushes of dopamine mm-hmm. and surging it and over maxing it mm-hmm. on dopamine. Um, and then I, two days later, it, I, the, that's the worst part about doing drugs like this. The recovery times three days. Yeah. When you're, when you're doing opiates or like, downers pills whatever the recovery time is weeks Mm -hmm. and that's why people get so severe and and the withdrawal is awful Mm -hmm. the withdrawal off of like cocaine and stimulants it's just being sad for three days Mm -hmm. and then you get over it yeah and that's what makes it so easy and that's why I didn't feel like an addict and that's why I didn't feel 
like I had like an issue, but I was literally, I was only sleeping for like three hours a night because mm-hmm. long-term abuse of it too causes um, insomnia. Mm-hmm. I was barely getting any sleep. I was staying up until like five o'clock in the morning, even when I wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep. I had issues sleeping. Um, I was, somehow I was gaining weight. I'm almost mad about that. <laughs> I got fat as a drug addict. You were also like <laughs> drinking and stuff. I was, I think the alcohol mixed yeah, in with Yeah, that's going to be huge. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I think I was just drinking all my calories because I don't remember eating that much food. Like, but I, I think I was just like carrying like alcohol weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that went on for probably like about a year. But the, I think the worst part about it was definitely, I never needed it to get through my day. I rarely, I don't think I ever did it during the day because I, when I would buy it, I would do it all. Okay. And that's the thing. I couldn't stop doing it. Mm -hmm. So I would just do it until I ran out. And I'd be like, okay, it's over. Time to go. Time to go home now. Okay. Go to bed. Yeah. And then the next day, I wouldn't get it. Um, There was like a couple times where maybe I think I did it during the day. Yeah. Um, I think I remember doing it at like a hockey game Mm -hmm. once once or twice. Um, But like, it, it honestly, like that whole year was just kind of like a really big blur for me it because it was so constant and consistent it was almost like a routine like every weekend and then it was like a couple days during the week as well and it was super consistent on just that routine of like okay it's nine o'clock yeah like are are we doing it today Mm -hmm. and then you know when you're around addicts all the time they're like yeah we're doing it too right um this is just like it's such a different take on addiction than what you typically see like portrayed in media, you know? Um, yeah, you see like scabs and withdrawal and bags under their eyes. And like I was a very good functioning addict. Yeah, and like daily usage and, you know, yeah. stuff like that and using it to like get through your day. Um I I guess like because I saw you that morning I didn't know that you had been doing drugs all night because I I don't really recognize what that looks like um so I had like no idea that you were like coming down off of like doing it all night and you seemed I asked you if you wanted to do it oh yeah you did (laughs) yeah and I was like no thank you (laughs) it was crazy yeah I was like at that point that was when I was my worst because I was trying to do it with like everybody yeah well is that the is that the night or slash day that somebody had told you you had a problem no um so for clarification there was like one night where I was up at five o'clock in the morning like literally wanting to kill myself because I had run out of like coke Mm -hmm. and it's like the worst feeling ever and like there's this feeling that you get where I know I'm not alone in this and it's like you run out of it everybody's gone home it's five or six a.m and you're alone Mm -hmm. And you're not tired enough to fall asleep yet, but you're coming down off of like being high. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just like this horrible feeling of like emptiness and like depression and numbness. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I don't even know how to describe it. There was one point where like I definitely like got close to like attempting suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. And I think that's why people go on like binges with stimulants. Because once you stop doing it, it is this empty and alone and isolating feeling. And then the guilt sits in mm-hmm. of, oh, my God, I just spent $150 and I've been sitting here doing drugs all night for what? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, I'm never doing this again. And then 9 p.m. two days later rolls around mm-hmm. and you're like, 
oh my god a bag sounds so good right now mm-hmm. like and it's it's almost like you forget about the sadness and all you remember is like the happiness yeah. of doing it um but yeah I didn't like do it consistently and like it would only be like but I would feel really gross the next day but that horrible feeling it would only last like three or four hours and eventually I'd cry and like fall asleep um I think that it impacted my mental health more than anything most people didn't know that I was an addict they just thought I was like really low functioning quirky crazy ADHD yeah um but like it made my brain like melt and I didn't realize that what they tell you in dear class is like real like Mm -hmm. and I didn't like when I tell my friends, I'm like, did you know, like, drugs actually rot your brain? Like, yeah. And I didn't take it seriously because D.A.R.E. was so sensationalized. Right. But, like, I could feel my brain rotting yeah. after, like, a while. And it was, yeah. like, not super fun. Mm. Um, but that's the thing. Like, when people ask me, they're like, oh, you were an addict. Nothing bad ever happened to me. I never overdosed. I never got super sick. The worst thing that happened to me is I had one bad night where I had suicidal ideation. Do you feel like that's a requirement to be considered an addict? No, because like when I think back to when I got sober, so basically the reason I stopped is because I got into a huge fight with a really close friend that was also an addict. And they told me they were like, I actually had flipped out on them earlier in the week um, because I was at a really low point and they ditched me to Mm -hmm. like do drugs and it was the second time that they did it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you're an addict, you need like comfort and support in other people. It's very hard to be alone. Yeah. And that's why there's so many addicts that are stuck in like codependent relationships, Mm -hmm. like same with alcoholics and everything. And you know, actually like a codependent personality type people tend to attract addicts. Yeah. It's like a known thing. When you're an addict, it's very hard to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody's the same way, but that's how I was. And I was like desperate for like comfort. Mm-hmm. And they had ditched me to go do drugs. Mm-hmm. And then the second time they had done it. And there was like there was like a couple of people, it just wasn't one specific person. Um, but it was like an act of like screwing me over to do drugs by a couple of people. Right. Um, when I needed like help and comfort and um it was really hard and then they basically somebody told me you're a fucking drug addict Mm -hmm. which nobody had told me before because I wasn't open with talking about it with people that didn't also do it Mm -hmm. they were like you're an addict um I'm an addict too Mm -hmm. we're gonna stop and I was like we're not drug addicts. Mm. It's like, we're just fun. Mm-hmm. Like I was still in denial about it at that point. And then I remember a week later I was craving it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I can stop. It's not that big of a deal. I was like, we'll take a break from it. It was a break. Yeah. Um, is how I like framed a, it. A tolerance head. break. It was like a tolerance mm-hmm. break. I was like, yeah, we're doing it a lot. We should like take a step back from it. And in my right. head, I was like, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Um, and then I remember like two weeks later, I was like craving it. And about two weeks into it I realized I was um I relapsed twice after that mm-hmm. um once with the um with the friends that I got sober with and then it was um once on my own with somebody that I didn't like regularly hang out with mm-hmm. and that was like the worst night of my life mm-hmm. um because they were way more into it than I was and they 
drank way more than like they were way more hardcore than I was. How far past? So like, give me a timeline of like sobriety, relapse one, relapse two. Relapse one, I think, was just like three weeks later. Okay. And then relapse two was like a week after that. Okay. So and, still pretty short. Yeah. And that was a really hard night with me. I was out on my own. So there's very few nights where I went out on my own. Mm-hmm. I was always with somebody. And I remember I was out on my own and just like looking for somebody to do it with. Picking random people that I didn't normally do it with mm-hmm. that I wasn't very close to. Yeah. Which was not good for me. Mm-hmm. Because the reason I had done it so much is because I had like comfort people. Right. And I didn't have my comfort people. So I was desperately trying to find somebody. And I just picked somebody that I shouldn't have trusted. Mm-hmm. And was like, hey, let's go back to my house, whatever. We stayed up all night. I woke up in the, until 8 o'clock in the morning. We drank. And they, like, Ubered back to their house or something. And mm-hmm. I woke up the next day. Or I didn't wake up. I was awake, awake. And I was like, I feel absolutely terrible. I hated last night. I'm so miserable. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to kill myself. Mm-hmm. Because I'm so ashamed of myself. Like, mm-hmm. all this self-guilt set in, like, the second they walked out the door. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, like, a really horrible, like, mental experience for me. Um, and that's really like the first time where I was like, this is a fucking problem. Yeah. I was like, I'm, this isn't fun anymore. Like I'm a full blown like drug addict. Mm-hmm. And so you did reach that conclusion. You're, it wasn't somebody it was after telling the you, second you reached relapse. that yeah. conclusion yourself. It, but their voice was like in the back of my head. Yeah. Because I had also talked to them about the next day. Mm-hmm. And to this day, they still like what, like, this is kind of funny. They still, they're like, I've been sober longer than you mm-hmm. because they got sober technically a week before yeah. I did. And they yeah. still like went up me and like this person I'm really close to and like we're, we're still friends and everything. And um, we developed like a pretty close bond because it was mm-hmm. kind of like after that point, I remember I was like, I'm never doing drugs again. Right. And they were like, me either. Mm. And I was like, do you want to not do drugs together? Mm-hmm. And now it's almost like this drug-free competition. Yeah. And I honestly think that turning it into like a competition be like, I've, because like, it's not that if one of us relapsed, it, I doubt it would happen at this point. It's been so long. But like, it's almost like this thing where it's like, I'm not going to do drugs and you aren't either. Right. Because like, I have, I don't want you to win. I don't want you to win. If I do drugs, that means you win. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a fun thing. But I think getting sober at the same time with somebody else that is also a very similar addiction style to you. Yeah. Um, like we were like basically like addiction twins, Mm -hmm. uh, had the same reactions to it, had the same feelings, very similar childhood trauma as Mm -hmm. well. Um, I think like having like a sober partner really helped me out of it. But at the same time, that partner also like worsened my addiction mm-hmm. and we enabled each other to do it. Yeah. Um, but it's very similar, like timeline styles, mm-hmm. everything. So like I remember after that point, I was like, I'm a fucking piece of shit. And this in like to this day. Part of the reason I don't talk about this online, I am so fucking embarrassed about it. Yeah. What makes you embarrassed about it? That I fucking did drugs. What like what about it though? Like yeah, you did drugs. Lots of people do yeah. drugs, but what in particular about that situation makes you feel shame or embarrassed? The money and the time, mm-hmm. like the waste of money, the waste of fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like oh God, it's like I don't even want to think about how much money it was. It was probably honestly, it was probably only a couple thousand dollars over like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, just like the fact that like. I come from generational addiction. Yeah. And then knowing like, oh my God, you fell into that too. And people knowing like, 
oh, you used to be a drug addict. Mm -hmm. And I've just openly started talking about it outside of my circle of trust uh, within the past like three months. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you knew, my close friends knew, and shout out Carolee. Carolee is really somebody that like offered a lot of support on days where I didn't feel safe, like being alone. Mm -hmm. Um, She would come over and sit with me. So I wasn't home alone Mm -hmm. and just like watch TV with me and made sure I eat. Uh, She'd take me to get coffee and stuff anytime I relapsed. but like just the embarrassment of just like doing drugs and then like knowing that I'm like better than that. I did want to get your perspective on like, did you notice a shift, I guess? And how does it feel going from being the person who was one of the most popular because you had the means and the funds to afford the addictive like substance with everyone to being the person who's now quote unquote on a high horse because you decided to get sober. How does that feel kind of hearing that? Good. Honestly, it, it does feel good. It's, it's very liberating um, because I feel like uh, I have like an issue in my life where I was putting like way too much energy into the wrong people. People say that all the time. Like I put so much energy in love. I'm an empath, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I genuinely have suffered from that, yeah. um, which you could attest to, mm-hmm. to where like I bought like one of my old friends a fucking car. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I like, I'm grateful for it. Honestly, I don't hold any resentment towards people that um, don't hang out with me anymore because I'm not, fucking cool doing drugs all the time anymore yeah um did it ever hurt your feelings yeah yeah Yeah, at first um I was really sad because I felt like a huge disconnect from like Mm -hmm. a lot of people I thought were my really good friends right and it was actually really hard for me for probably like six months to like separate myself from that I mean you witnessed it because you were there like Mm -hmm. um and but it introduced me to like genuine friendships I'm very grateful for um the only people I'm really comfortable with like naming are like you, Cody, uh, Carolee, and Tyler, mm-hmm. you four, I got like really close with um, during that process. I mean, like we went to like Vegas together and had like a blast and everything. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other people that were in that circle that I became extremely close with mm-hmm. too, um, but not people who still use. Um, and there isn't just like also like I want to clarify because people are going to think this is so pointed. There's no one circle. There was like multiple groups of people. Right. Like it wasn't just like one singular friend group. There was like a, yeah. like there was people who lived in Columbus. Like there was mm-hmm. people that like some people don't even know. Um, like there was like weird secret friendships too. There was, there was a lot of people I lost like through sobriety, but there's also, I gained a lot more. Yeah. And the connections that I lost weren't really big L's to begin with and the people who there are people in my life that still use that are really great people and that I still hang out with that I Mm -hmm. love and respect Mm -hmm. and it's fine yeah I don't like look down on people for doing that um it's just I can't hang out with you at three o'clock in the morning anymore so obviously we're going to be distant yeah you know I can't hang at the bar for like seven hours Mm -hmm. um so it's like it's hard for me now like it's difficult because it's like the main thing that we connected on was like substance Mm -hmm. and we don't connect on that anymore. And I don't blame people or like, I don't get frustrated with people anymore. I I did it first for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's like, 
it doesn't help that like a lot of people had unhealthy social expectations that I talked to about it that made me feel bad like there was a lot of alienation like that wasn't purposeful but people acted like it was and it's like no I'm making the choice to like go home by midnight right um and it's like oh well you weren't invited and I was like I sure was invited when I had like two grams of coke in my purse you know um so it's like it's not really like that big of a deal to me anymore I feel like I'm in the healthiest place like with my friendships uh I I have a really hard time determining my place in people's lives which I've talked about before mm-hmm. um but there is like a really good circle that I love and that I'm thankful for um and that feels really genuine and I don't feel um put down anymore but I'm also not super concerned right or have hurt feelings anymore it's it's one of those like it is what it is things it is what it is there's a neon sign behind me that says that um but it's just kind of like it it's one of those things that now looking back on I'm like oh that happened that kind of right. sucked but it's okay you know yeah um how do you feel like growing up in your childhood contributed to this particular addiction process I don't know I I don't because like I I really don't know I probably the I felt cool Mm-hmm. when I was an addict and I felt like everything like I said everything felt euphoric and mm-hmm. everything felt great and my connections with people like when you're when you're on stimulants and everything and you're all like standing in a circle in a kitchen and you're just talking about how much you love everybody so much mm-hmm. you feel love so much heavier and you yeah. feel such a connection to the people you're doing it with mm-hmm. um I think I just like felt a lot of love like through the social aspect of addiction um and like I think I had a pretty lonely childhood and I was, I was alone most of the time. And I think just like feeling a sense of community and a sense of family, Mm -hmm. like probably kept me in it longer than it should have. Yeah. Um, or probably like hid the fact that it was like an addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, if I don't really know if there's any direct correlation, I think it was almost just like an accident that it happened. It's something that happened and started very slow Mm -hmm. and that it just got worse and worse and worse and worse until I hit like rock bottom and that, it wasn't even until after rock bottom that I realized like mm-hmm. how bad it was. Um, so now that you're sober, what has being sober taught you about yourself that you didn't know before? That I'm not a piece of shit. <laughs> um, it's been really great. I have so much more time. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot more time now. Um to think about how much better I am than everybody else but (laughs) (laughs) you know when you're up on that high horse the weather is different the air is clear (laughs) the air is clear on this mountaintop baby (laughs) um but no I, (laughs) uh, I I don't think I'm better than everybody else but I definitely have so much more time to do stuff though I still drink um Mm -hmm. I still hang out like I'm still still fun everything like that like I I don't think I'm a prude or anything I don't ever talk down to people about doing it either but um I definitely like the best part about it is just rebuilding my connections with people that don't do drugs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was very distant from everybody in my life that didn't do it. And there was friends that I didn't see for like a year. Um, I barely saw like people that I love and cherish Mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, I was very distant from a lot of people and um, rebuilding those connections is something I'm grateful for. Um, I've gotten really spiritual. I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but um I've like kind of rebuilt I don't really like talking about like Christianity um because so many people like hate it 
Yeah. It makes people so uncomfortable. But like I rebuilt like my relationship with God. But that's also a very Mm -hmm. private thing for me. Yeah. Religion and spirituality is incredibly private. Yeah. I never really talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. um, But like I definitely have my own like private moments. Um, I do a lot of meditation and stuff. Um, I'm a lot better person. Mm -hmm. I treat my... There was one instance where I left... um, one of my really good friends birthday party mm-hmm. halfway through to go do drugs back in Newark. Mm-hmm. And um, that was rough. And I'm still like, I still feel guilty about that. When <laughs> you did it, did you, f- did you know at the time you were doing a bad thing? Yeah. Okay. You, you know, and you feel guilty, but it's so masked by yeah. like, it's uh, like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I'm yeah it's like, I don't know. It. It's like, I knew that I was a bad person. I yeah. knew that I wasn't great, especially when I would come down off it. I would sit there and like, again, the immense guilt, which I still feel today. Mm-hmm. I still feel like an immense amount of guilt, but the experience like in sobriety has like only pushed me to try and be the best version of myself. And I generally think that now, and I have peaks and highs and lows and shitty days, but mm-hmm. I really think that now um, I am the most well-rounded individual that I ever have been mm-hmm. um I th- I'm very proud of myself and this is I think where the the high horse part like kicks in mm-hmm. um I'm very proud of myself for who I am and genuinely um I have been through a whirlwind a bullshit like even outside mm-hmm. of like all these issues and the past like year and a half where I probably the longest of my life where I haven't done like any substances um, besides drinking has been the biggest growing year for me mm-hmm. and um people always say that I'm on a healing journey uh, I'm grown mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. is my year of growth but like genuinely right like I like have become a way better person I used to fuck people over left and right yeah I was shitting on mm-hmm. long-term 10-year homies mm-hmm. um for the sake of like throwing shit up my nose yeah and um I regret that so much um mm-hmm. but the people who had faith in me and I, I know I said I wasn't going to talk a lot about like social relationships and stuff but it does now that I've talked about it because I think this is the first time that I've sat down and like recapped everything yeah that had a heavy weight on it because a lot of the guilt and a lot of the shame yeah comes from people that love me it it's hard especially as somebody from an outside perspective to continue to be like social relationships didn't play a huge factor in it that's kind of the whole thing yeah you know that it led you into it never did it by myself yeah um but yeah and it's like you're not really placing blame on those people like it's not their fault it's nobody's fault but mine yeah and that's been abundantly clear i mean you can't control how the narrative is spread or how people react based off of like your truth that you're telling yeah people's perception of my addiction is a very big insecurity of mine yeah um either people thinking people minimizing it i've heard both sides um i've heard people minimize it to be like well it wasn't that bad like why are you talking about it so much it wasn't that bad i almost killed myself Mm -hmm. and uh, like yeah i never i never went to jail i never over there was one time where i don't know if it was like also meth there was one time where i did Mm -hmm. stay up all night with like a racing heartbeat and vomiting Mm -hmm. and got very sick um i i don't know what it was cut with or if it was just i have no idea but um i I never went to jail like nothing bad ever happened to me like i never really got in trouble rock bottom looks extremely different it was internal for me i heavily struggled with 
not killing myself for probably like three or four months Mm -hmm. um I hated myself I had so much shame I was miserable I wasn't taking care of myself um it was internalized like rock bottom for me I was spending so much money I was fucking over people that loved me Mm -hmm. I was lying I was lying to people's faces about it um it was really terrible I hit a lot um family like hid everything from my family like it's just it there was so much shame associated with it and it was very bad mm-hmm. and the people who say it wasn't bad don't realize that there was about a two-month period where it was near daily and I was getting I think you should then clarify because yeah. you said earlier that it wasn't it wasn't that bad in the fact that there was no long-term consequences to it right but I, I think for like people listening who might be confused because I think this is where the confusion sets in is like you had said you only did it a few times a week, but you oh, knew no, it was, there was bad. But for that like year, it was a few times a week. There was like um, about a 30-day period right before mm-hmm. like I stopped where it was, when I say three or four times a week, it was like five or six times a week. Okay. And it was the amount. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily like the times that I was doing it, the amount increased. Right. It went from half a gram yeah. to a gram. Mm-hmm. to two grams and i'm not like an i'm not ball, like trying to call like, you a liar i just felt like the yeah. clarification needed oh, yeah, to the be clarification there. there need is is like it wasn't that bad until it was yeah and i feel like it has been minimized and when i do say like oh yeah it's like whatever nothing bad happened to me it's because i look at people who also suffered from addiction who lose their fucking kids mm-hmm. who lose their houses who lose their jobs mm-hmm. i got out of this somehow with just embarrassment and shame where do you think your addictive tendencies uh, shifted to since you no longer do cocaine? I drink kind of heavy um, afterwards. Okay. For, I will admit that I drink kind of heavy for yeah. like a couple of months afterwards, but I think I was just in the same habits. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do that anymore. Um, but I don't, I don't really think that I suffered from transfer addiction, thank God. I do know people who get sober off of stimulants specifically mm-hmm. and they continue to drink um for some reason like when it comes to opioids downers like heavy addiction consistent addiction that deals mm-hmm. with withdrawal you tend to cut out everything including drinking i mean transfer addiction doesn't have to go to a substance so yeah it can do, go to yeah anything. it doesn't i don't think there was like anything harmful or negatives that i transferred to but um i Notice that like a lot of people who get sober off of like, let's say like Molly or Coke or whatever, they usually still drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that they tend to transfer to alcohol heavily. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who used to have a really bad Coke problem that become super bad alcoholics. Um, there's, a, there's a whole study of people who get um, like gastric bypass surgery and their food addiction transfers to alcohol addiction. Oh, and yeah. That, and, and they die. die. Yeah. They die mm-hmm. because they can't handle yeah. alcohol or like people in a 12-step program dive super heavy into religion or you yeah. go super heavy into health and fitness like no i am because like that i don't think that I addictive did. trait is still in your it's still you yeah it's still there um there's nothing specific um that i didn't there's nothing i really dove into afterwards um i don't think i had the chance to Mm-hmm. Even like like when I think, okay, food, no, not really. Mm-hmm. Work, it would, I've always been kind of a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've worked really hard on my house. I, I found all kinds of stuff to fill my time. I played yeah. a lot of video games. You, the, the abundance of time afterwards is mm. fucking wild. That yeah. was the worst part. I did all kinds of stuff. I was doing arts and crafts. I loved the uh, like the winter after. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I like we started the podcast. We fucking were going to concerts. Mm-hmm. It was like I was. I was like, I got a second chance in life and it was awesome because I don't think people realized that's all I was capable of doing when I was an addict was fucking drugs. Like Mm -hmm. I was literally not able to do anything else. I never shot any concerts. I dropped all my hobbies. Mm -hmm. All I did was go to work and think about doing them or do them. Mm -hmm. And the, oh my God, the winter after was so much fun. We did so much stuff. Like I, it was incredible. Um, it's, I've I've been sober for about a year and six months mm-hmm. and um roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a year and six months. And so um it it's been like it's been awesome because I feel like it's like Morgan when we talk to her. Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, I feel like I got a reset. I feel like I got this like huge reset and this huge second chance on life. I like we cosplay, like mm-hmm. everything is so much more exciting to me now. Yeah. That I'm not doing drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, like everything is awesome and I have like the best days ever. I got really into the Renaissance festival, which is coming up. Um, I got into the podcast. I got back into like photography and like taking photos for fun. Um, I got back into fitness Mm -hmm. and yeah, like it was just like so many great things happened and ever since and like I don't even know what I fucking did like during that time. Nothing. Yeah. I did nothing except like drink and party and everything like mm-hmm. that. And from the outside, it looks like so much fun. Oh my God. I was so miserable. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, um, it's, it feels reminiscent of like people who go to college right after high school or like I had like a boyfriend where we partied and we, uh, I didn't do stimulants. I did downers, but like we did yeah. that for like a, about a year until he got into like a pretty bad accident and then I was like, oh, drugs are bad. Uh, but it kind of feels like it was like a late hit and you're like, oh, this is a problem. You know, like I feel like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, that phase of my life is over. But you were more like, oh, this is like this yeah. is addictive. I didn't really accept the fact that I was a drug addict. I, I honestly. There wasn't until like a couple months afterwards where I was like, oh, I'm never doing this again. Like it always felt like a break. Yeah. Even after like I decided like. I'm an addict. I need to get sober. I always thought I would do it again. Like I was like, oh, I just need a break because I'm doing it too much. Do you think being prescribed Adderall has helped or hindered your sobriety? Helped. Absolutely. Because I'm scared as shit to do anything about it. And the good part is, um, I don't know about other states, but in Ohio, being on a controlled substance is basically a sobriety program in itself because I have to be drug tested. (laughs) Um, I have to be drug tested every 90 days. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never, um, I've never mixed the two. I've never um, broken the rules of my controlled substance prescription. I'm very by the book about it. How are they different? What do you mean? The cocaine versus the Adderall. How is it different? I don't know. I don't know the chemical makeup of it. Uh, cocaine's not, pretty- not the chemical makeup. How do you use it differently? Oh, um. Because they're both technically stimulants. I don't get high off of Adderall. I got, I got like, it wasn't a speedy high, but I definitely got a euphoric high mm-hmm. off of, um cocaine my my cocaine high was very similar to when people did molly mm-hmm. people who aren't neurodivergent mm-hmm. I, I never like speeded yeah like 
I was never a, like running. I mean, there was like sometimes where I'd do like a gagger and I'd be like, rah, 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 rah. right. Like Donnie from the, but, rah, like, rah, rah, you rah, know rah. how like people will be like, oh, it's still a stimulant. You're just prescribed your drug. Oh now. Like, yeah. How, I've like, gotten like fucking shame for that yeah. before. And I've been told that I'm not actually sober and shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I think that there's just like a lot of stigmatization for neurodivergency. I don't get high off of my Adderall. Nobody with ADHD gets high off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it calms me down. Mm-hmm. And um, the difference is that I was abusing it and I wasn't using it to help myself. Right. Um, Being prescribed Adderall has completely changed my life for the better. Um, And I pursued, I did not pursue a prescription for it until I was well sober. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there was never any overlap. Right. I got drug tested um, and... I knew that I could not fuck around with that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even pursue a prescription until like weeks or months into my sobriety. Did you expect it to feel similar when you were first getting prescribed Adderall? I don't know what I expected with Adderall. I I pursued Adderall because I knew that I wasn't functioning very well anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time you take Adderall, it I feel like there's a little bit of an adjustment period. I definitely cleaned my entire house the first day I was oh, on it. I, I've had a huge adjustment yeah. period Adderall. Yeah. So I I definitely like, I don't associate the two in any way. Um, Adderall, people do abuse it, yes, but it is a medication that I am prescribed by multiple doctors for. Mm-hmm. I see psychiatrists. I see a general practitioner. I see a therapist that I'm also open with my issues about on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Um they know that I have a past with an addiction and that was taken into consideration mm-hmm. when I was given a prescription. Um, and the differences, um, they were like, like when I talked about the euphoric high that came from my psychiatrist who I was open with mm-hmm. about it. Um, and I've proven myself on paper yeah. with my sobriety mm-hmm. and my responsibility and my resilience and taking control of like my ADHD and medicating it properly. Yes, they are both stimulants. Um, but I don't abuse the Adderall. And mm-hmm. I can say that confidently and you can I if you want to violate a HIPAA violation, I'll throw up my paperwork well, for anybody who's like anybody it. was accusing you of like you can't overdo it unless you're buying it off the street. You yeah. know what I mean? Like legally, like you, you can't be prescribed it more than once. I've I've never days. broken a controlled substance on it. But I'm I was more that. like wondering why like it was so much easier for you to separate the two you know because sometimes I knew that one was medicine and one was a drug Mm. Adderall is a drug to some people um for me I'm neurodivergent I need it to function yeah it's part of my life will I survive without it I mean probably but I won't have a good time right I knew that going into it I knew I never saw my prescription as a drug Mm mm-hmm never thought about abusing it mm-hmm. ever once so bada being all right yeah um so i guess my final question and then like anything else you want to say about it is if if you had to give advice to somebody who is pretty fresh into sobriety what would you tell them be patient i Cut yourself off from the people who do it. Mm-hmm. That's hard to say, but you have to at first. Find hobbies. Um, the biggest issue for me, 
And I think the biggest issue for a lot of people is the immediate after. I remember afterwards, after I stopped, it wasn't, what do I do this day? It was, what is my new behavior hour to hour? You have to relearn mm-hmm. how to function. Being a functioning addict is different than being like a full-blown addict, missing work, no job, whatever. Um, I was functioning. I went to work every day, but it was when I would come home from work, I wouldn't know how to act. I wouldn't know at night. Mm-hmm. So lonely because I was constantly surrounded by people. Um, find, like, it's going to sound fucking awful, but find hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really, I didn't pursue this. I uh, pursued therapy for my addiction. I never did any inpatient or rehab. I never even talked about how I got sober. I just stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to stay away from it as best as I could. Um, but I also pursued a therapist whom I was open with about my issues. Mm-hmm. And that later led to uh, me pursuing an ADHD diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, she was rock star therapist uh, that helped me through it. And I was very open with her about my addiction issues. She gave me help, advice, love, consideration, mm-hmm. sympathy. Um, you need like a strong person in your life. If you have the means to, which there are plenty of addiction resources out there, um, that are state or publicly or privately funded. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a position where I was able to pay for one, thank God. Um, but there are plenty of resources out there. I definitely recommend outpatient or even inpatient rehabilitation mm-hmm. is very vital and key if you are not able to do it on your own. Um, part of the reason I was able to do it on my own is because the group that I was doing it with stopped as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had very strong support people in my life. Um, I had you, I had Jen, Carolee. Um, I had my friends that were addicts that stopped with me. Um, I had people that were willing to help me fill my time and support me um, and take care of me, which I know that not a lot of people have, which is unfortunate. And I, I feel terrible for people that have to do it alone. Don't do it alone. Yeah. Don't. Um, you're, don't. Uh, you have to have other people to help you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you've, depending on your addiction, you've rotted your brain to the point where you're not able to make decisions for yourself. I was having people like pick out clothes for me because I didn't know like how to anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I was so brain dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to make executive decisions for yourself, especially when you do drugs young. You inhibit your frontal lobe development a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to have emotional control. I basically handed over the reins of my life to other people for mm-hmm. a couple months. Um, find ways to fill your time. Do puzzles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did a lot of puzzles. I did a lot of art. Um, it's almost like like look at like nursing homes. Look at like what they do all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah senior fi- citizen activities. Find a new hobby. Stay active physically. Mm-hmm. Um, because all that energy is going to be pent the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Especially if you were addicted to stimulants or amphetamines. Um, I definitely stay physically active. I walked my dogs like miles mm-hmm. every day. Uh, just to try and stay active and take my mind off of it. Um, and then, again, almost all NA and AA programs are built on a Christian basis. If that is your vibe, I will say it worked for me. Yeah. Um, the serenity prayer was my backbone through mm-hmm. that shit, and I definitely kept it to myself a lot. Yeah. Um, but it worked for me. It will not work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did like NA or AA or anything like that. I just sought private therapy, but definitely like just a spiritual relationship 
exploring it won't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying you need to convert to Christianity or you're going to do drugs. Oh, no, I'm super into the planets. <laughs> yeah. Find something bigger than you. Yeah. Whether that is your spiritual connection with people, meditation, yoga, I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. I could also rant for an hour about how yoga and meditation, how healing it is for your soul. Mm-hmm. Insane. Like, I, like, all that, like, there's a reason that yogis talk about it so yeah. much. Um, all, like, finding something bigger than yourself and something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I set a lot of goals that I really, that were achievable short-term and realistic. Um, making things to look forward to and looking up to something bigger than Earth and this world, mm-hmm. I think, is very beneficial. Um, and again, like... You always hear people say, like, you are not alone. You are definitely not alone. Yeah. Like, if if you're listening to this podcast, there is a great chance that you have an addict in your life. You know an addict. Reach out to people that have overcame it. Mm-hmm. Like, talk to people that have been through it that can relate to your experiences. One of the most valuable connections that I brought out of this was somebody who had the same timeline and the same addictive tendencies I did and building a close bond with them mm-hmm. and having them as an emotional support person. Mm-hmm was one of the best things that could have happened to me. Um, and I don't, and I felt such like find like-minded connections that are positive and not harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the most, the most valuable thing is your connection. Yeah. Um, spiritually or realistically with other people. Is there anything that you want to say that we didn't touch on yet or anything that you didn't answer or anything that you want to clear up before we finish? Just like, I don't know. I I hope that I'm very scared of like negative perception. Um, with like this podcast, I'm very scared, um, about judgment for being open about it. And I'm, I, I don't like, I feel like a lot of shame associated with it. And I know that I did like, awful shit Mm -hmm. and trust me if you're mad at me for talking about this or you're mad at me for something I did while I was an addict um or if you're have any resentment towards me and you've made it to this point in the podcast Mm -hmm. you're still a fan Mm -hmm. (laughs) thanks for listening but thanks for listening you're still a fan but also like trust me I've said it to myself right every bad thing that I've heard about myself or any negative criticism that I've gotten, especially towards addiction, I've definitely said to myself in the mirror, I cannot um, exaggerate how self-aware I am mm-hmm. um, with this addiction and um, how many long, lonely nights I've spent sitting in a pool of shame mm-hmm. um, for my past actions. But at the same time, I know that I'm able to take that shame and remorse and build something better off of it and become a better person. And yeah. I think that's kind of what defines I, I don't I don't believe in necessarily good or bad people mm-hmm. but I think your character is defined by how well you can pick yourself up from shame and embarrassment resentment regret yeah. um I don't believe in regrets I definitely wish I didn't do drugs mm-hmm. but I know that it's part of my story and I have every right to share it mm-hmm. and I have every right to talk about it and be a support person to people and I hope that with sharing this that if I positively impacted one singular person, mm-hmm. then it's fine. Yeah. Um, and I, I trust me, any negative comment, I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I already know. Um, but I'm proud of myself and mm-hmm. what I did. And I think after a year and a half of staying silent on it, mm-hmm. and it's the first time I've spoken about it, I think I've had enough time to think about it. Yeah. You know, and it also, it feels nice to kind of just be like, here it is. It's your human experience. Yeah. Here's what happened. You need to stop giving weight to people who aren't living your human experience. Oh my God, I know. You know? I know. You can't control every narrative. Because like, <laughs> listen, all my good friends have never given me shit yeah. about being a crackhead. Yeah. Like, like it's. <laughs> we joke about all the time. Like, yeah, when I was a crackhead, none, right. of, my, none of my really close friends have ever given me shit about it. Right. Um, but yeah, I also. I don't look down on addicts. Um, if anything, uh, I'm here to support you, um, not in your addiction, but to support you as a person. Mm-hmm. And if anybody who uh, is in that spot or was around me during that time and still needs help, I tell everybody um, I have an open door policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are always able, just call me first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> yeah, ring, like just come over. Uh, we'll have a cup of coffee. And we'll talk about it. Um, anybody who's ever been in a time of crisis and has come to me knows that I will go to like any end to help you in the way that you need to be helped. I will find resources for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I will find inpatient for you if that's what you need. Um, God forbid I might even buy you a car, mm-hmm. but I, I'll find you a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I will find you help. I will find you a good, reliable therapist. and I will find you financial support for that. Um, because I've been there too and I've had support people and all I want to do is transfer really the main goal of talking about it online. I want to transfer all the love and support that I was given through this process Mm -hmm. and I want to give that like to other people as well. Yeah. So thanks to everybody who, um, still loves me, even though I was a crackhead. I love you all. I love you all. What do you think about it? about the talk that we had or just like just like me the, the whole like thing the in whole general thing. yeah um i it's kind of hard because i've only seen you coming out of it so i i feel like i i don't have a great perspective um on how you were while in it mm-hmm. but um you were clueless you're like i had no idea and i was like you yeah didn't. and i mean like Maybe i've never less people had an idea than i thought yeah i uh I don't it's interesting because it's completely different than how I would have expected this talk to go. You know? Um based off of like everything I've seen in the media portrayed for how addicts work and function and the definitions of everything. Um I just I find it like just so interesting and I'm very proud of you. Nice. And I think you should be proud of yourself. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. This is the end of season two. Thank you so much for coming around for season two. And uh, we're going to be taking a break for a while, but probably come back around like uh, November. Yeah. We'll be be back. It seems like the new schedule. Um, So, yeah, I think I kind of forgot that this is like also the the last episode. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we're going to, the main reason, we we usually take a break uh, between seasons, but um, our plans for the fall, we're just going to pursue uh, other projects that uh, we, we just have. A, the fall time's always really busy for us in general, but mm-hmm. me and Lincoln have a lot of other like music related projects that we're going to be pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to keep up on that, 
we're not like stopping for anything and we'll definitely be back for like you still like me you want to do the podcast again right yeah okay good um <laughs> was that not clear i was hoping so um but yeah we'll definitely we'll be back for season three uh probably like late uh fall time probably like november december um we'll announce when we are yeah but we'll th- send we'll sound out like a little message yeah i mean this won't we're recording this in august it won't be released until october anyway yeah. so it won't be too much of a gap you'll be yeah. without us for probably like a month or two but i think season two is successful oh yeah i, I like talking to our friends two. about stuff yeah we good. really we really wanted to focus on like interviews and open conversation and everything mm-hmm. um but i definitely wanted to wrap it up with like the basis of the podcast and personal growth yeah um but yeah look at we'll definitely we'll do like a season three it'll probably line up um the same if we change anything we'll do like some updates about it but again we uh we haven't talked about this in a minute but the the viewership on the podcast has been uh more than we anticipated and yeah. more than we expected more than i would have ever thought or could imagine that you know like just the fact that people are sitting here listening to yeah. us is is just wild to me i definitely appreciate it mm-hmm. um and uh thanks for allowing us to be vulnerable on the internet which yeah is is hard for us to do uh, it's huge i do i do want to let you guys know that um this episode was while well, i did like kind of joke and laugh through it and like minimize some of the bad things that happened to me this was a pretty hard one for me to record that i've been wanting to mm-hmm. since the beginning and it took 20 episodes for me yeah. to do it yeah um but yeah i I definitely appreciate all the love and support and just when you are listening to our podcast um, know that we are never being malicious. We are never targeting anybody. And everything that we say is from a point of love, except about Seth. What's it? Seth. Um, Seth who? Kid Rock? Him too. Jonah Hill. Except about Jonah Hill. Oh, were you thinking Seth I Rogen? Said Seth Rogen. Oh, no. Yeah, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, Jonah Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Kid Rock. Fuck you, Kid Rock. But yeah, uh, I appreciate, generally appreciate everybody who's ever supported this podcast. Oh, I might, um, I haven't even told you this about it. I was going to make some crew necks, some Ooh, pink crew necks. If anybody fun. wants to keep an eye out for those in the next merch. like couple months, they'll we probably merge. They'll, 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 I was going to make like, probably 15 of them but like if anybody wants Fun. one i'm gonna make like a couple of them probably um just make sure you follow our instagram that's where any like mean girl suck updates yeah. are gonna be but yeah thanks yeah. so much guys we thanks will see you a next great time. season two I- i'm scared to put down the microphone it's goodbye be- she's not scared like it's like i'm done with goodbye. this goodbye <laughs>